Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. Pentecostals of Sydney. Amen. This is, you know, we, we believe in the power of God. We believe that the Spirit of God works in the realm of, of this physical world, in the lives of people. But we also believe in the, the Word of God. Believes the Word that guides us and directs us. And you need to have both. You need to have Word and Spirit. Uh, if it's all Spirit and no Word, you blow up. It's all word and no spirit, you dry up. So you need a good balance. Amen. How we know we're on the right track is through the, the scriptures, through the word of God. And so if you have your scriptures, let's go to the word. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 17. And it is our custom to stand for the reading of the opening text in honor of God's word. We're going to read a few verses, so only if you're able to stand. If you're not able to stand, that's fine. Please stay seated. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17 to 19, and he is before all things. Actually, let's go back to 15 because this is just a remarkable passage of Scripture. Who is the image of the invisible God? Verse 15. The firstborn of every creature. It's telling us that this thing, this God, sorry, that is invisible has an image. Now, when something is invisible, you can't see it. There's no image. But the image of the invisible God is, it's referring, Paul is referring to, is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. The only image you will see of God is the face of Jesus Christ. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. This is, I mean, this is you, literature, literary aesthetics. This is poetry in itself. This is beautiful. But this is not just beautiful poetry or uh, aesthetic literature this is the inspired word of God and he is the head in verse 18 the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell in who in Jesus all fullness dwells now jump to chapter 2 of Colossians, verse number 9. Watch this. This is kind of continuing the same theme. For in him, in who? In Jesus, dwells all the fullness. Not a part, not half, not one-third, but all fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are you. Everybody say me. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. 
Amen. One more passage, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray and let you sit down. One more passage. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 19. Ephesians 3 and 19. The Bible says this, And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It's beyond comprehension. This love is so great. That you, everyone say me, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you on this thought, hope found. Hope found. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we open our hearts to your word. Our spirit is, is hungry, Lord. We are willing and desiring to hear from you. And so I ask you, Lord God, that you would anoint your people. Let your spirit, Lord God, the living word, preach the written word today. Let it speak to our hearts, O oh God. Let it bring to life the pages of life and cause us to hear your voice, Lord God, speaking. Anoint the, your servant. Give me strength to minister your word as you have your way in this place. Lord, we believe you, Lord, for the miraculous. We believe you for the supernatural, Lord God, that is available in this place among your people. Lord God, as our faith unite together, we ask you to bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. I uh, always love this time of year. Uh, for many people, of course, it is merely a tradition. Uh, this is just, you know, it's our holiday, it's our traditions, what we always do, putting up the tree, Christmas lights, gifts, prawns, uh, ham, turkey, uh, umu, lovo, <laughs> Hangy, whatever. I can keep going all day on that one. Family reunions, holidays. And, and, and I think it is a good thing that we should make a big deal about Christmas time. Uh, it is a good thing because uh, even though the world doesn't really realize for the most part why or what Christmas is all about, I think when you begin to examine just how profound it is, it is something that we ought to make a special celebration about. Not just once a year, but I think all the time we ought to have Christmas. We can eat all the time except when we're fasting, of course. This ought to be a matter of immense celebration uh, because this is where God became man. This is, this is the most profound event to take place in the thousands of years that, that according to the word of God, that man has existed. But for many religious traditions, they teach that, that this is an impossibility. That somehow they believe that, that God cannot become man because man and God are mutually exclusive. They say that this is logically incoherent. How can God become man? These are two opposing ideas. It's, it's, it's almost like saying uh, a round square. 
It's, it's a fallacy. It does not exist. And the reason for their belief that uh, they believe that this is an impossibility is because their only argument is, is that how can an infinite God who is infinite in power become finite? How can this God of all creation become a creature like you and I who are uh, sinful, who have a propensity for sin? And so this is often what is preached and taught in some major religions in the world, that that cannot be. But if you read the Bible, and if I make an appeal to, to your common sense of understanding, to simply say that there is nothing illogical about a God who desires to reveal himself to this world in the manner that he desires. Amen, amen. There, there's nothing stopping God, and we read this throughout the Old Testament, that God manifested, or he revealed himself in many different ways. He revealed himself as the priest of Melchizedek. He revealed himself as, a, as an angel of the Lord. He's revealed himself as a, a burning bush that was on fire that didn't consume the bush. He revealed himself as a, a, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud. God manifested himself in many different ways, and there is absolutely no reason why God cannot reveal himself and put on humanity. He is, after all, all-powerful. And, and there's nothing wrong because when he created man, when he created Adam, he didn't create him as a sinner. He created him as an innocent, pure, without sin human being. That's what we were intended for. We weren't intended for, uh, for, for addiction. And we weren't created to, to be bound up in vices and, and to be hung up on diabetes and blood pressure. And he didn't create us for that. Uh, he didn't create Adam as a sinful man, but he created Adam without sin. And, and so... One of the reasons why is how could this God no longer be God and become man? Well, well, that's not what the incarnation is about. The incarnation is where God put on humanity. He was, he, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and what was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That this was God doing this work. But just because he was born of a virgin, it does not mean that God all of a sudden is no longer in heaven. He did not abdicate the throne of heaven, but he was in Christ, as you read, that in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of God bodily. That even though in him was all the fullness of God, he still remains God. He was still God beyond the physical. He's still God that transcends all time and space and eternity. He was God in man, the son of God, but he was also still the father of creation. He never ceased to exist in eternity and time. He is outside of time and he's in time all at the same time. 
Amen. So there is no logical incoherence to the incarnation. But the Bible says, here's what Jesus said. He said, unless you believe that I am he, who's he? Unless you believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. Oh, hallelujah. But the Bible, may, the Bible makes a very clear declaration that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's the Word? God. And verse 14, the Bible says, And the Word, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. I want you to know there's absolutely nothing wrong with a God who desires to put on humanity and walk this earth. Thank God that he came down and was with us and walked with us and lived among us. And he went to the cross to die for our sins. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It's the one and only true living God. Can I declare it to you today that there is only one God? The Bible says the devil himself knows there is one God and he trembles. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Isaiah looked at God and God said, there's no God before me. There's no God beside me. But I alone am your Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I think what these detractors fail to understand, that within Jesus Christ, there are two natures. He was fully man and he was fully God. He had to be fully man. He wasn't some pseudo-human being. He wasn't a fake half-human being. He had to be fully human in order for him to be the sacrifice of sins for us. It couldn't be some kind of mannequin or AI robot. He had to be fully man. That's why he had to find a virgin womb that could, could be conceived in her of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, she, he wasn't conceived by normal physical means. He was conceived by supernatural, miraculous means where the Holy Ghost came into the, the womb of Mary. And what was born of her was the Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Hallelujah. Because if he was just any other normal human being, then he would still have his sin with him. He would not be sinless. And if he's not sinless, then he himself needs a savior. And if Jesus himself needs a savior, then we are lost. We are not saved. But he is of God. He is sinless. He was God manifest in the flesh because he was sinless. We can have our sins washed away in baptism in repentance oh I want you to know he was fully man but at the same time he was fully God almighty from the beginning that's why Jesus said I am the first and I'm the last I'm the beginning and I'm the ending I am Alpha Omega I was the one who was and he is and is to come 
Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. He is the fullness of God in a body, in human form. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. He was fully God and fully man. He was tempted in all points, the Bible says, like we are, and yet he did not sin. He was weary, but at the same time, he was the Almighty. Hallelujah. Let, let me give you a little comparison here. Jesus, as a man, he was born a baby. But as God, he existed from eternity. As a man, Jesus grew mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. But as God, he never changes. As a man, he was tempted by the devil. But as God, he cast out devils. As a man, he hungered. But as God, he was the bread of life and miraculously fed crowds. As a man, he thirsted, but as God, he gave living water. As a man, he grew weary, but as God, he gave rest. As a man, he slept in a storm, but as God, he calmed the storm. As a man, he prayed, but as God, he answered prayer. As a man, he was scourged and he was beaten, but as God, he healed the sick. As a man, he died, but as God, he raised his own body from the dead. As a man, he was a sacrifice for sin, but as God, he forgave sin. As a man, he did not know all things, but as God, he knows all things. As man, he had no power, but as God, he has all power in his hand. As man, he was inferior to God but as God he was equal to God and was God as man he was a servant but as God he was the king of kings oh this is the great revelation what you have come into is the revelation of this one God the only living true God who came into this world to bring us closer to himself so that we can know him Oh, hallelujah. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead in a bodily form. And yet he never ceased to be God. Is that too hard to understand? Is that too difficult a concept to comprehend? It's pretty simple. And Jesus said it clearly. He said, uh, through me, uh, unless you go through me, you will not be saved. He is the God of all creation. So why did God have to become man? Why this nativity, this Christmas scene? Modernists may deny the virgin birth. The scientific knowledge may not be able to account for it. And spiritual ignorance may state that it is of no real consequence. But the biblical importance of it cannot be overestimated. It is on the virgin birth that the whole Bible doctrine hangs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our salvation depends on the incarnation. Why he had to come to this earth was because the only way you can deal with sin is through death. The wages of sin is death. 
the Bible tells us that the life is in the blood. We take your blood out of your body, it's bye-bye. See you in heaven. Amen. Your life is in the blood, the Bible says. And Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so Jesus looked around. God looked around. Yahweh looked around. Is there anybody in this world that can atone for the sins of a lost humanity that is condemned by their sin? And he could not find one. Even the most moral and upright of us in here, you have at least one sin. And all it takes is one sin for you to be disqualified. It only took one bite of the, the, the fruit, the forbidden fruit from the forbidden tree that Adam and Eve were condemned. Just one sin. That's all it takes. And so he looked around and there's nobody qualified, nobody righteous that's never sinned. And so what did God say? He was so compassionate. He felt such a burden for the lost. The Bible says, for God so loved that he gave. He so loved humanity that he would not allow humanity to die and to be lost forever and so God found a virgin womb and from the virgin womb to the empty tomb God paid the penalty and with his blood the innocent blood, the sinless blood, the spotless blood of the Lamb that was shed, that should never have been shed, was shed for us so that now we can be saved. So that now when our life is over, we're not going to be in hell. We're going to spend eternity in heaven, in the glory and the ecstasy of the presence of Almighty God. That's why. God had to become man because God needed some blood by which to pay for your sin and my sin so that we can be saved forever. Oh, I wish I had some folks in here that are thankful for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Oh, the precious wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. He did for us what we can never do for ourselves. He did something that we was so beyond our, us. And that's why I, every time I hear people say, oh, you know, I, I believe in God, but all of these, these problems, all of these people that are suffering in pain and children in the cancer ward and, and people that, that, that are sick and are being persecuted, Christians themselves uh, that are being martyred and killed. Uh, and they would say, if I was God, I wouldn't let that happen. If I was God, I wouldn't allow them to suffer. But but can I tell you, God himself, when he came to this world, he didn't live a life of comfort. He didn't live a life of opulence. He had nowhere, the Bible says, to lay his head. He didn't own a house. He didn't own a horse. He didn't, in fact, when they arrested him, they took off his robes and they started casting lots for it. Can I tell you that God himself suffered and died because he wants to remind us something. It's not this life that's the most important. It's not the comforts and the luxury and the money and house. But where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend the rest of eternity in your life? Hallelujah. 
You may be seated. That's why, why did, why did he have to come? Acts 20 and 28, the Bible says, the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. God didn't have any blood. He needed to get some blood to pay or purchase by us out of the pawn shop of hell. He couldn't find any blood that was good enough. All our blood is tainted. I don't care how good looking you are. There's some flaws in your chromosome somewhere. I don't care if you got a six pack and you're 60 years old. There's some flaws in our DNA somewhere. There's no blood that's perfect. He had to get his own blood by which to purchase us, the church. That's why he had to become man. So what would, have you ever asked this question, what would this invisible God be like if he was one of us? I think somebody wrote a pop song a few years ago. What if God was one of us? Well, God did become one of us. And here, here's what we can find. Here's how Christmas or the incarnation, that's another fancy theological term that, that means become flesh or become meat, you know, incarne. Carne is Spanish for meat. You, you know, what you guys cook, some of you South Americans, you know, chili con carne. Chili with meat. The incarnation is God put on flesh and blood so that he could bring redemption to this lost world. But him walking of this earth also shows us, here's what it can can reveal to us of what, what this God is like because we can't comprehend somebody that is so powerful and magnificent, somebody that transcends even our limited, finite minds. We can't even comprehend that. And so God put on this thing, what you and I have, and he began to walk like we walk. He began to live the life that we live. And if you want to know what God is like when he is in your form, when he is in human form, you simply have to look at the life and the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that gives us hope, brothers and sisters. It gives us hope to understand what he's like. What he's like is that when he saw the multitude that were in pain, that were hungry, the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion, that, that he began to feed them. Listen to me. If you're going through pain right now, if you're going through a difficulty, let me tell you, God has moved with compassion for your life. He doesn't, he doesn't see you in isolation. He doesn't leave you alone, but he will remind you that he's with you, that he's going to stand with you. And he'll even perform a miracle in your life. He'll even open doors for you. He can heal your body today. Can I tell somebody right now? This is the abundance, the fullness. That's what he said. That's what Paul said in the letter to the Ephesians. That you might know the love of God beyond comprehension. And that you might have the fullness of God. 
Come on, somebody. Don't, don't just settle for a part of God. Don't just settle for, oh, I, I just get a little bit of church today and I go on with my own life. I just get a little bit of, a little bit of droppling from the church. No, the Bible says you can experience the fullness. God became man so that we man can be a partaker of the divine nature that is of God. He said, I've come become man so that man, you can have my spirit. You want to know what God is like? He's a friend of sinners like Jesus was. He didn't have problems hanging out with with publicans and sinners, drunks and harlots, and that's who he loves. He loves the lost. He's burdened with the lost. So don't disqualify yourself thinking, well, I'm so nasty, I'm so such a terrible sinner. There's no way God would ever love me. No, you're exactly who God is looking for. And can I tell you, you are welcome to this church. It doesn't matter what you look like and how you dress or what you, you are welcome in this church because you are a child of God. We love you because God loves you. We're here by, by divine mandate from God. He loves everybody and so we're here to love you. You are welcome in the house of God. Because he loves you. But he loves you too much to let you go different, the same way you came. He wants us to be different. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature spiritually. Amen. And we can see what God is like through the face of Jesus Christ. God put on humanity so that we can put on divinity. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That means with everything that God has gifted to us. Well, that's why we love Christmas, right? The gifts. Amen. Can I tell you, the Bible says that Jesus led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Amen. Those gifts are for you. But he's not going to force it upon you. He's not going to shove it in your face and say, here, take it. He's simply saying, here it is. But just like any gift that somebody gives to you, you've got to take it with both hands and say, thank you, Jesus. You know what the psalmist said? He said, I, what shall I render unto the Lord? He says, he looked around and says, what, what gift do you buy somebody that's got everything? That's what, that's what my wife says to me all the time. I don't know what to get you. You got everything. I said, well... Uh, but, but what do you get a God who's got everything? You know what he says in the next verse? He says, I will receive the gift of salvation. That's what you can render to God. What you can render to him is by simply opening up your heart and receiving from the Lord his grace, his salvation, uh, availing yourself of his forgiveness. Come on, somebody. You don't have to stay in your sin. What God has intended for you is a life of victory where you can overcome your sin. You don't have to live in the bondage of addiction. You don't have to live in the depression of your sin. But God wants to lift you up. You are a child of the King. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And He's got the gifts for you and I. It's time for 
for this church to take up the gift and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to receive. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to receive. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. And that's what I come to tell you here today. I'm just about done. Musicians, you could come. Oh, uh, I think I should travel more because I tend to preach shorter when I'm, when I'm gone. Amen. But let me remind you that the reason why he came, praise the Lord, is to give us hope, to remind us, amen, that, the, that no matter what we're going through, that Jesus promises he's going to see us through the end. Well, how do you know that, preacher? How do you know? Because I, you know how I know? Because he came all the way into this world. He went and walked. He went to the cross. He suffered and died. He was beaten and bruised. They put a crown of thorns upon on his head they whipped him and beat him beyond recognition and they nailed him to a cross and he breathed his last breath that's how I know God's intention for me is to see me through that no matter how difficult your situation might be regardless of how tough life is when you got God he's gonna see you through I promise you I promise you he'll never leave you alone but he's gonna stand with you Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Come on. There's hope found. Oh, hallelujah. When you got God, it doesn't matter how little money you have. Maybe the doctor's report doesn't sound so good. But you can still live the fullness of life, the fullness of God, when you walk in the victory. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, young people, old people, middle-aged people. doesn't matter. Don't live below your privileges. There's some, some benefits to being a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. You are a child of the king. That means you're a prince. You're a princess. There's some benefits. Come on, don't be like Prince Harry and walk away from... You, you, gotta, you gotta stay with the king. Follow the king. Don't follow Oprah. Follow the king because there are some benefits, some privileges that are reserved for the children of the king. Hallelujah. So don't, don't die. Don't let your life be lived all of your life wondering, oh, I wonder if I could have prayed somebody through. Oh, I wonder if I could have believed God to pray for a miracle. Come on, don't let your prayers just simply be, oh God, let me get good parking. Even though he does give us good parking. But let some of your prayers be, God, bring revival in my family. Turn, turn my company upside down. Let me be able to preach the gospel in my school, in my university, in my college. Come on. God, I'm praying for revival in the city of Sydney. Turn this city upside down with the power of the gospel. Come on, I'm believing for revival next year. I'm believing for unprecedented revival in 2024. We're not just praying people through here. We can pray people through the Holy Ghost on the streets, in our car, on the job, in the boardroom. Hallelujah. Anybody want to live the full life? Anybody want to have the fullness of God? In Him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness 
of the Godhead of God so that you and I could live in the fullness of God's power. Oh, hallelujah. I know the doctors probably said to you, no, there's no hope. Oh, there's always hope. When Jesus is in the scene, when Jesus is in the mix, there's always hope. Come on. You think my marriage is done and over. No, there's still hope. I found hope in God. Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, glory to God. I, I got to stop. I believe God wants to do something here today. Maybe we can sing a fast song. Amen. If you believe that God wants you to have the fullness of his blessing, of his privileges, he's waiting for you to pick up the gift. He's not going to push it on you. You got to stir it up. Stir up the gift that's within you. Pick up that gift. If you believe that, I want you to step out of your seat and we're going to praise him right here. We're going to believe God. If you need healing in your body, I want you to praise him like he's healing you right now. If you need a deliverance, breaking that addiction, breaking that, that stronghold, that mental and emotional stronghold in your mind, I want you to praise him like he's breaking it down right now. Tear it down through God. If you got a need in this house, whatever it is, God can set you free right now. I want you to praise him and begin to worship God. Thank you.